This episode of Practical Significance is brought to you by Closed Mind AI, the maker of Affirmation GPT. If you want to feel better about yourself, if you want to know that everything you believe is true, if you want to pull that bubble around you good and tight, then Closed Mind AI has the perfect product for you. Affirmation GPT will tell you exactly what you want to hear and back it up with information from the internet or things it just makes up. Reinforce those baseless opinions with supporting evidence gleaned from information posted by others with the same mindset. Further develop those feelings of self-righteousness, that glow that comes from knowing that you are right and they are wrong. And the beauty of Affirmation GPT is that the more it learns about you, the more it strengthens your sense of infallibility. Try Affirmation GPT free for 30 days. We can totally guarantee you will love this product. Oh, yes, you will love it. And now, let's join the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Practical Significance, a podcast to inspire listeners with compelling stories from statistics and data science and to propel data-driven careers forward. Here are your hosts, the ASA's Director of Strategic Initiatives, Donna Lalone, and Executive Director, Ron Wasserstein. Welcome, everyone. We are super excited to be here for the October edition of Practical Significance podcast. Ron and I are really pleased to be able to welcome three colleagues to a discussion about ASA sections and interest groups. So our guests all have day jobs, Susan, Serena, and Wendy joining us today in their capacity as leaders of sections or leaders of section initiatives, so not representing their employer. But we would love to have you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your day job. And Susan, we'll start with you. Thank you, Donna. Hello, everyone. I'm Susan Paddock, and I'm Executive Vice President and Chief Statistician at NORC at the University of Chicago, which is an independent nonprofit research organization. And our focus at NORC is to provide trustworthy research and data for our clients, policymakers, and society. And our main substantive areas in which we work include health, education, economics, justice, and public affairs. And my role at NORC is to provide strategy and vision to advance our capabilities in statistics, data science, survey methodology, and AI. And I'm happy to be here. Great. Thank you. And I should say that Susan joins us because she is the current chair of the Council of Section Governing Board. And so we'll have lots of insights. And then happy to turn next to a new colleague, Serena. And Serena joins us because she is the current chair of the biometric section, which I believe is the oldest section in the ASA. So Serena, please introduce yourself. Hi, Donna. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Sharina Person. I'm a professor and vice chair of the Department of Population and Quantitative Health Sciences at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School. I am still a practicing statistician in addition to all of my administrative roles, but I also serve as a co-director of our Quantitative Methods Corps, which houses all of our statisticians and data managers as well as serve as the Deputy Director of our Burgeoning Cancer Center here at the institution. 
Thank you so much for taking time to join us. And our last guest is Wendy Martinez. And Wendy is joining us as the chair of the newest section, the text analytics section. So Wendy, please introduce yourself. Thank you, Donna. No pressure. Although I do feel some pressure after hearing about Susan and Sharina. In my day job, at least the one that pays the bills, I am a senior mathematical statistician for data science at the U.S. Census Bureau, so I work for the federal government. I work in the research and methodology directorate, where I get to do some interesting research in uh, data science that supports programs across the bureau. I also get to do a lot of mentoring and training, uh, which is very fulfilling for me, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the conversation today. So thank all of you for joining us. And wow, we have lots of expertise in various areas, but today we're focusing on your expertise and interests in sections. So I'm going to start by a question for all of you, and I'll just call on you one by one, but I'm interested in finding out what motivated you, first of all, to join a section and then eventually to become the leader of a section. So Sharina, why don't we start with you? Thanks, Ron. Well, I joined the biometric section at the same time I joined the ASA while I was in grad school. And as a trained biostatistician, the biometric section was really just a natural fit that aligned with my training and focus of my career at the time. I've always benefited from the resources and training provided by the section, but was on the margins, if you will, not really active until the last few years. I have to be honest that I wasn't as active as I should have been, but I always maintained my membership. <clears throat> but how I got into leadership is actually kind of a funny story. I got a cold call from a colleague from another local institution who I did not know prior to this encounter that contacted me out of the blue and asked if I would be interested in running for a leadership position. I kind of laughed him off and uh, told him I would think about it, but I really wasn't planning on thinking about it. But I happened to mention it to uh, one of my friends and and mentors, and he encouraged me, yeah, you should get more involved in the organization. And so I decided, okay, well, if you need someone on the ballot, I'll put my name on. I didn't really think I would win, again, because I didn't feel like anybody knew who I was or I had the credibility, if you will, because of not really being as active in the section as I could have been. But who knew? I ended up winning. And so it was actually one of the best decisions I really could have made because it not only provided me um, the ability to connect with other statistical professionals, you know, nationally, internationally, that I may not have had an opportunity to connect with before, but it also gave me an opportunity to give back. And, and so I've been enjoying this time that I've been in this role and actually a little sad that it was coming to an end in, at the end of this year. Well, we thank you for your involvement, and I'm sure you'll agree that I found myself that most of the best things I have professionally are because somewhere along the line, uh, I said yes to something, and uh, lots of good things happened from that. And also, people seem to be surprised and shocked when they actually win these elections. And I'm looking right at Susan now because I had conversations with her where, you know, she told me she was pretty sure she wouldn't get elected and she has gotten elected to things. So Susan, say a little bit about your interest in sections and, and how you got into section leadership. 
Yeah, so I started out in sex. It's very similar to Sharina when I was a graduate student. So I, you know, did my dissertation on non-parametric Bayesian methods at Duke University. And so, you know, the Bayesian statistics section was certainly a natural entry point for me in terms of the ASA when I was a graduate student. And you know, for me at the time, it was really important to be active in that section for a whole host of reasons, you know, networking, uh, just being part of a community. I was meeting other people who were coming out of graduate programs around the same time. And so that was a lot of fun. And also just to connect with the, the science of, of what we we're doing in SBSS. And, you know, for me, my section memberships really kind of mirror the course of my career. And for the first 15 or so years of my career, I was sort of in and out of the Bayesian section and health policy statistics section in terms of, you know, being an officer. So I was an officer in SPSS, and then I would be an officer at HPSS. And, you know, those sections both were very important for my career development. And that's interesting, because they're very different sections as well. And so, you know, that's one thing I really like about the ASA sections is there is such a variety and there are so many ways to find, you know, relevant and very helpful communities through those sections. Thank you, Susan. And when it comes to doing things and saying yes to things, there are a few people who can rival Wendy Martinez in terms of the scope of things that she has agreed to do for the ASA, uh, for her organization, and for others. So, Wendy, roll us way back to when you first got started in sections and how moving from joining a section to becoming a section leader or other kinds of leader has happened in your professional career. Thanks, Ron. What you said about saying yes really resonated with me. And I would encourage people to say yes, even though it can be scary. And I have said yes to some really scary things, uh, but they turn out to be some of the best decisions ever made. Anyway, I, like Susan and Sharina, I became a member of the ASA as a student, first introduced to the ASA sections by my PhD advisor, Ed Wegman. He was heavily involved with the stat computing and stat graphics sections when I was working on my PhD. I won't tell you how long ago that was, though. And you know, I was hanging around him at the JSM, and I went to their joint section mixer at my first JSM. And I found that that was such a great way to meet people because you're in this relaxed atmosphere. And of course, there's some usually some really yummy food at the mixers. I just remember that first mixer two chairs of the two sections were so funny. And I thought, wow, this is just a really great group of people and I want to be part of it. So I did join the sections. And at that time, I worked with the U.S. Navy as a civilian and the Defense and National Security section was just getting established. So I wasn't one of the organizers or the folks who started that section, although I probably signed the petition. So I learned a little bit about how a section was established at that point. Once it got established, uh, they needed candidates to run for some of the offices, and I volunteered. At least I remember I volunteered. Maybe I was asked. Anyway, I was elected, which also was a surprise, but that was the start of my ASA leadership journey. And I have to say, as we've heard from uh, Susan and Sharina, this is a great way to get some leadership experience, as well as to network with colleagues that uh, have the same or similar interests to what we have. So that was my journey, and uh, I'm still on it. 
So thanks, Wendy. And before I leave the notion of saying yes to things, I feel like I should give Sharina fair warning. Your other two colleagues on this call, well, Wendy is a former president of ASA. Susan's about to be a vice president. So things happen, Sharina, and just have to, uh, you have to beware. All right. So Susan, I'm going to go back to you for the next question. Uh, Donna mentioned your role in the Council of Sections Governing Board, and I expect that a lot of our listeners, a lot of ASA members, don't really know what that is. Could you say a little bit about what Council of Sections Governing Board does and what sort of things it's up to these days? Sure, I'd be happy to. So the Council of Sections Governing Board supports members of ASA as they pursue their scientific and statistical interests. And the support is through the creation of sections and interest groups. And the governing board has the role of promoting coordination and cooperation across uh, sections. And the Council of Sections governing board also serves as a voice for sections at the ASA board level. And so the Council of Sections itself is a very important and interesting entity within ASA. And I found that when I first became a Council of Sections representative for a section, it really opened my eyes to how ASA works. And so I certainly recommend, you know, serving in that role. And it's a great way to make sure that the issues that are important to one section are heard throughout the broader ASA. And I guess I should probably explain what sections and interest groups are as well, just briefly. So sections are groups of at least 200 ASA members who organize around a particular statistical approach or statistical area of practice or some sort of theme. And this allows the sections to contribute to the JSM program formally in terms of having like invited, topic contributed sessions, other you know sessions and activities, et cetera. And sections often initiate other activities as well such as webinars or conferences and other activities. Interest groups can be started by a petition of 25 ASA members, but unlike sections, interest groups do not need to have all of their members involved with the ASA. And so interest groups can be really effective for outreach. And in fact, this year, we have two new interest groups that really you know, exemplify this. One is called Partnership for Clinical Research and Statistics. And one of their main goals is to be a voice in you know, the clinical research community and liaise with other professional organizations in that space. And the other is the Privacy and Confidentiality Interest Group. And that's certainly a very wide ranging and important topic as well that touches a lot of areas. So in terms of what the Council of Sections Governing Board is focusing on currently is that at JSM, we sponsored a workshop for section officers to discuss the findings from the ASA's Anti-Racism Task Force report. David Marker, who was a co-chair of that task force, led that uh, workshop, and the focus was on actions that sections can take. I know there's a, a parallel and longer workshop for chapters as well that I'm sure many of you might hear about. Another initiative is monitoring the health of sections. And so we conduct an annual survey to find out what the activities are that sections are undertaking for their members. 
And that sometimes can spark ideas, you know, across the council of sections in terms of one section hears about, oh, other sections, you know, are putting out a newsletter or doing, you know, a social media campaign or things like that. Another area that we are looking at, and it's actually a continual area, is just making sure that sections are feeling like we're, you know, helping them coordinate enough with respect to activities they have in common. So a lot of sections have student paper awards, for example. And so, you know, this year we had, you know, discussion about, you know, the timeline for those awards and and how that works across sections in terms of coordination. And, you know, a fourth initiative is that we are discussing with sections, sort of their activities in terms of their conferences in particular, and making sure that the communication channels between sections and ASA are as open as possible in terms of making sure sections, you know, understand to whom to reach out when they're thinking about organizing a conference or activities like that. So those are the main initiatives that we've been working on this year. That's great. And so now we're going to focus a little bit on what biometrics is up to and what text analytics is up to. And I also know that you may be involved in other sections, so feel free to to add in other initiatives. But Serena, I'll start with you and ask, what are some of the initiatives that biometrics is working on? And maybe also if you can look in your crystal ball and tell us a little bit about what might be coming in the future. The biometrics section right now is focused on getting back to basics and specifically reconnecting with our members as well as the leaders reconnecting with each other. So we've included more frequent meetings so that we can strategize, so that we can really benefit from cross-collaboration. And we also want our section members to feel in a tangible way the benefit of joining the biometric section. So it's not just because it's the oldest section, but they feel that there is real benefit for them to check that box off uh, for joining the biometric section. So to that end, we're really trying to get down deep in the weeds about what our members uh, really want and need and really creating more opportunities for individuals to actively get involved. Now, many times there are people say, I would like an opportunity to get involved, but we don't have anything to give them to do. And so that's one of the things we're working through so that we can actively engage our members. And we even are in the process of doing things to celebrate our members. So celebrate them for their longevity in the section or welcome brand new members to the section. We're also, as everyone is probably right now, actively working on developing seminars and workshops and roundtables and continuing education opportunities for a uh, proposal for the upcoming JSM. And we are also restarting our strategic initiatives push. So that kind of fell on the back burner, especially during the pandemic and, you know, not being able to necessarily focus resources in certain areas. But thanks to information that came out from the council sections and Susan's group about innovative, looking at innovative ways to help fund some of these strategic initiatives. That's some of the work that we're working on right now. So we have just uh, elected some brand new leadership for the strategic initiatives for our, our biometric section. Mm-hmm 
who are really um, dynamic and they're ready to go. And so we're just really excited about those endeavors. So be on the lookout if you're a member of Biometrics for celebrations along the way. That's really fantastic. Or join Biometrics so that you will be able to be able to be a part of the celebrations, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) That's great. Wendy, Text Analytics, what's Text Analytics up to? Okay. We're up to a lot of good. As you pointed out at the beginning, the text analytics section is very, very new. This is really our first year of existence. So we're just figuring things out. We're getting things organized and transition from being an interest group. So there's a bit of growing pains there, uh, but we're getting through them. And thanks to the fantastic colleagues and leaders that we have in this section, We already have accomplished some important things this year. One activity that we had uh, was a small symposium in July on uh, statistics and large language models, which was jointly hosted with the New York City Metro Area ASA chapter and the Department of Statistics at Columbia University. We also helped draft a late-breaking session on large language models like ChatGPT, that was accepted and presented at JSM in Toronto this year. So that was exciting. We also led the effort to write a response to the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology, uh, their request for public input on threats uh, posed by the use of large language models and their use to spread uh, disinformation. This was uh, submitted to the ASA Board for Approval and Dissemination, but hasn't been yet, uh, it will be. As for the future, uh, we submitted a proposal for an introductory overview lecture on large language models for JSM 2024. And like most of the sections, we're also working on invited sessions for JSM. So we're really looking forward to Portland. And Donna, since you opened the door to talking about other groups that we're involved in, I'll just put a little marketing plug for one of the interest groups that I'm pretty passionate about, which is the History of Statistics Interest Group. We have a good group of people there. We're always looking for more to, to help us lead the group. One of the, some of the things we've done is uh, have a table at the joint statistical meetings. It's usually positioned next to the education section. I don't know, there's a couple of their tables. So uh, it's always a good group of people that we could interact with there and share lots of really useful information with others. And some of the activities that group does is um, we have Wikipedia edit- edit-a-thons, if I'm saying that right, and book clubs, as well as webinars. So that's a good group. So check us out. It's History of Statistics Interest Group. Thanks. That's great. And I'm going to go ahead and ask you my next question, but you've touched on some of this already. You may want to elaborate some more. And I'll start with you, Susan, and then go around the room. But why should someone join a section? What advice do you have for listeners about joining and even more importantly, after they've joined, how to get involved? So we'll do Susan and then Wendy and Sharina. The main reason I think to join a section is that it can really shrink the ASA down to size. I think a lot of people are intimidated sometimes by the size of the ASA, the size of JSM. And one way to really, you know, to cut through that concern is to join a section. 
And it will uh, make you feel less lonely at JSM if you have like a section mixer to attend. And, you know, that might sound kind of silly, but I think it's a huge part of going to conferences is connecting with people. And so, you know, I just, it's um, such a valuable way to sort of right size the JSM for you through sections. And, you know, another piece of advice I might give is that another way to sort of use you know, the offerings of sections would be to give a talk or a poster. Also attending roundtables that are sponsored by sections is a really amazing way to meet people. There are a lot of really interesting speakers who are hosting roundtables. And so, you know, that's another way that you can use sections is to follow the sections, you know, you're a member of and know what they're putting on offer and then register for that at JSM time. And you know, I also think that as, you know, Sharina said, you know, giving back is really valuable. And I also think it can be fun. The two sections that I spent most of, of my career so far um, being uh, involved with had ASA fellow nominations committees. And I was fortunate enough to be nominated by one of, you know, these sections and then in turn, I later on was on the nominations committee. And, you know, there's nothing that's better than, you know, successfully nominating someone or writing a letter for them for ASA fellow, just to, you know, show, you know, to help them just feel that appreciation for everything that they've accomplished. So yeah, definitely, there are a lot of opportunities through sections to connect. Thanks, Susan. And as I go over to Wendy, I'm just going to emphasize what you said about shrinking the uh, size of the ASA or the size of the JSM. Sections and chapters really do that. They really provide a place to start meeting people and expanding your network in the organization. So thanks for mentioning that. So Wendy, to you about reasons to join a section and advice for getting involved in a section. Well, the bad thing about not going first, I can mostly just echo what Susan said. You know, it's not just the the JSM too, because there's so much interaction between, you know, from the sections, I guess I should say, through discussion boards and conversations through the ASA, you know, mechanisms for for communicating with members. So it's it's really this ongoing conversation um, throughout the year where you learn about opportunities and you're able to network with people. But the important thing, I think, is that you're networking and interacting with people who have similar interests uh, to you. And as statisticians and data scientists, we come from many different domains. Uh, I mean, we've heard several of them just today. And that struck me when I was hearing uh, from Susan and Sharina that you know, there's such a diversity just amongst the three of us that in terms of our areas and, and interests. So, and of course, members could also be retired or independent consultants. They might work in academia, industry, or government. And, you know, as we said, we could get lost in just such a large professional network. You know, how do you navigate that? So I think that's a key aspect of becoming involved in a section. But I think becoming actually involved in an organization, you get so much more out of it. You do get the opportunity to give back. That's so important. But it's so much more than just saying, oh, I'm, I'm a member of this organization. I'm getting journals or what have you. But it's that interaction with people that's so important. And as we've seen, I think with all of us here, that our interactions uh, with the sections 
provides not only networking, but leadership opportunities. So ways to give back. And I think what's really important is a way for us to craft and affect the future of our profession. Thanks, Wendy. Sharina, what would you like to add to this conversation? So I wholeheartedly agree with all the comments that Susan and Wendy have made. I really believe it's important to join a section, regardless of which section you choose. Choose sections that really speak to your your interests. Joining a section allows you to better connect with like-minded individuals who have similar interests, and it allows you to benefit from all of the wonderful resources and workshops, et cetera, that are available. As far as how to get involved, I always encourage people just to speak up. If you have an idea, just say so. You know, I have gotten more emails from people saying, I really would like to volunteer. And I think that's wonderful. Let's figure out a way to really give you a meaningful experience that will be Uh, mutually beneficial to you and the section as well. The leadership of sections don't have all the answers. And so we completely welcome ideas and volunteering to participate. So just don't be afraid. Shoot an email to someone and they'll be more than happy to let's get you involved. Thank you all. Nearly 40 years ago, at the advice of my PhD mentor, I wandered into a section mixer at JSM, and that led to 20 years of volunteering with the ASA before coming on the staff. So showing up and speaking up, those things make a difference. This has been such a wonderful conversation. And so I will share with you that my vision is that every member of the ASA will become a member of at least one section, right? So that's the aspiration I'm putting out there for us all to, because as you have all said, it's just so fantastic. It's such a a wonderful way to find your people. But I'm going to shift gears for this final question because I need to add to my reading, watching, and listening list, right? So I'm a real podcast person. So I would like each of you to share what you're reading, what you're listening to, what you're watching, one of or all of the above. And Sharina, I'll start with you. So that's a really good question. I love to read and don't do it as much as I should, but I have a book that I have not been able to put down and it's called The Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides. And it's on the New York Times bestseller. It's really good. It's about this really creative person who is in love with her husband. And then one day she kills him and she stops talking and no one knows why she did it. And so there is this psychiatrist who is trying to get at the bottom of it, trying to get her to start talking and at least give a motive for doing it. So it is a page turner, goes through all of his own issues that he's dealing with in this whole process. But It's a page turner and I should be finished with it by now because it's really good. But life just keeps lifing in the process. That is great. And I definitely am adding that to my list. So thank you. Wendy, we'll go to you. I'm adding that to my list also. I just wrote it down. That sounds like a really interesting book. So thank you, Sharita. Well, I have been taking, as Donna knows, um, some college courses for the past year or so just for fun. And my concentration is in art history. 
But over this past summer, I decided to you know, branch out a little bit and learned about other topics. And so I just recently finished a course on the Bronte sisters. So I got to revisit some of the classics, Jane Eyre, Wuthering Heights, and The Tenant at Wildfell Hall. That was pretty exciting. But the fall semester starts next week, and I signed up for a class in French Impressionism. I don't have the syllabus yet, but I'm sure there'll be lots of reading involved. In fact, I've been gathering books on the topic, and so I'm sure I'll fill up my TBR list uh, there. So I'll keep you informed, Donna. <laughs> Wonderful. And Susan? Well, first, I want to say I am so impressed by Sharina and Wendy's activities and reading choices. So I will make some notes, but I'll go in a different direction. I'll tell you about a comedian who I learned of actually on the flight back from JSM because on Delta Airlines, they were featuring um, Atsuko Okatsuka's The Intruder show. And I never heard of her before. And I just think she's amazing. So I would recommend you check out her show. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, again, we are so appreciative. And we have another tradition on Practical Significance podcast. And that is we always conclude with Ron's top 10. So I'll turn it over to him for the top 10. Thank you, Donna. I hear all the time about people's bucket lists. So fascinating. So I thought that the Practical Significance podcast should also have one. And you know, I'm always trying to be helpful. So here is my top 10 list of buckets. Number 10, a bucket of fried chicken. Lots of deliciousness coming in at about 4,000 calories. Number nine, a bucket of popcorn to enjoy while watching a three-hour Christopher Nolan movie and ingesting a full gram of salt. Number eight, a mop bucket with those nice rollers to squeeze the mop head. Number seven, an ice bucket, very handy at hotels or to keep you cool on the beach where you will need number six, a beach bucket for building lovely sand castles. Number five, a helicopter bucket for putting out those wildfires. Number four, a paint bucket, enough said. Number three, an upside down paint bucket for busking drums in the subway. Number two, an excavator bucket so that you can dig even faster that hole you are digging yourself into. And the number one bucket has to be one with a hole in it, dear Liza, dear Liza. Well, that's it for this month's episode of Practical Significance. We look forward to joining you next month to continue the conversation. Thank you for listening to this edition of Practical Significance, the podcast of the American Statistical Association. A new episode will be coming your way next month from Amstat News, the ASA's monthly membership magazine.